Well, let's pick up tonight in Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law, the word of your God. I also will ignore your children. Now, I want to be clear about something. When, when I speak as I will tonight or as I did last Wednesday night, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. I mean, if you're here tonight and uh, you never save money in your entire life, there's no condemnation. We're just, we're just saying, find out what the Word says about your situation and begin to take action. You might be here this evening and maybe you've been divorced. There's no condemnation. But learn and don't do that again. Can you see that? So we're not, we're not teaching these things from the Word of God to bring any condemnation. It's, it's to help you see that the answer was there the whole time, but you didn't see it. And hopefully when you see it then, you begin to take what I call remedial action and... Uh, and get things fixed. You know, years ago, here's just a stupid secular example. Years ago, uh, the dentist told me, he said, he said, you're, you're a type A driver. And he said, it's showing up on your gums. He said, man, you're just, you know, brushing your teeth, you know. And he says, it's showing up. And I said, okay, what do I need to do to fix that? He said, well, you got to switch to an electric toothbrush. I said, okay. And then, you know, every time you go, they measure your gums and everything's fine. But you don't just keep, I'm going to do it the way I think. I'm going to do it the way I've always been doing it. My, my, my wife told me. In other words, you, you find out what's amiss and you take remedial action, right? So and we, we sure don't mean to indicate that, you know, we saw it all very early and we never made a mistake. There was a lot we didn't see. There's a lot we would maybe do different. And... Uh, <laughs> I've learned to give God the credit, the glory, and the honor because, frankly, that night Austin was born, that wasn't my faith. That was a gift. That was one of the nine gifts. That was God gave me that night the gift of faith. But I didn't earn that or deserve that. But I'll tell you one thing, we can't count on that. Thank God for his gifts. Thank God for the moving of the Holy Spirit. But we can't orchestrate that. You see what I'm saying? Amen. But he says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. People, God's people, God's people, God's people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge on what the Word of God has to say about any situation. And God's people are destroyed because they know what the Word of God says on any given situation, but they haven't believed it. They believe something else. They haven't believed it. They believe something else. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah, but I just read a book by, you know, Dr. PhD, whatever, and he says that, you know, if you spank a child, you, 
you know, can mess them up for life. These are the exact same psychologists think, think it's great, you know, to cut off, cut breasts off uh, adolescent girls and castrate adolescent boys. Why would I care what they think? I said, why, why, why would I go by what they say? And then, then with regard to money, yeah, but you know, the government this, the government that, they're the biggest losers in the entire world. Financially. So why would I go by anything they say? And God's people are destroyed because they know what the word has to say in any given situation, but they haven't taken action on, on the word. They've taken action on something else. All right. Now, why am I on this? Because we're in this series on faith and prayer. And over my 50 years of teaching and preaching the gospel, God's people generally don't really approach prayer as a weapon in their arsenal. They approach prayer as a fixer-upper for not taking action on the Word of God. You see? And so if I'm not taking the action, if I, and I'm using saving money as an illustration everybody can relate to, you know, if you're like me, it's more fun to spend it than to save it. And uh, so, but if we're, we're not taking action on, let's say, saving money, then what we do is we, we, go, we go to God in prayer like I did in 1989 and we're praying about money. Now from his perspective, see, we, we, it's not that we can put ourselves in his place and think like he does, but I guess we can try. From his perspective, we didn't do what he said. And now, he, now we want a miracle to fix it. We didn't honor him with our money, let's say. There, there's another issue. We don't honor him with our money. And then, then we don't have enough. And we want, then, see, we're, we're spending prayer time. I think your average Christian, and, and this, this, frankly, is the difference between Pentecostalism and a faith church. See, what is Pentecostalism? Uh, we're not going to do the word on Monday. We're not going to do the word on Tuesday. We're not going to do the word on Wednesday. We're not going to do the word on Thursday. We're not going to do the word on Friday. We're not going to do the word on Saturday. But come Sunday, come Sunday, man, we're going to break out that anointing oil. Come Sunday, man, we're going to swing from the chandeliers. Man, come Sunday, man, we're going to run us a lap. We're going to tear the house down. And anybody you know that's involved in those activities, they ain't got two nickels to rub together. And that's, that's what I call Pentecostalism. The church I grew up in in Detroit, Bethesda Missionary Temple, they were full gospel, but they never, they, they never were into all of that. They were, they were into teaching the word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept. And if somebody is taught the word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept, and they're taking action on the knowledge they're gaining at church, they really don't have that much trouble. They really don't have that much trouble. And so, to me, prayer is not a way to fix 
me not taking action on the Word of God. And I'm a, I'm a very pragmatic person. I mean, if Hale and Mary worked, man, I'd be the Hale and a student town. But it doesn't work. I mean, if rubbing beads worked, man, I'd, I'd, I'd have me some beads. But I've never seen it work for anybody. So I'm into what works. And, the, and even above prayer, I'm going to say an outrageous thing to a lot of you. Even above prayer, what I know that works is the written word of God. Amen. Even above prayer. The written word of God. And so, see, he says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. And James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving or deluding, deluding your own selves. The NIV says, do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And this is true Whatever you want to talk about, you want to talk about money, uh, you want to talk about marriage, you want to talk about child rearing. It's about taking action on the Word of God. I was rehearsing to Sue today a story from a few years ago. Austin and I were at a meeting downtown Fort Worth, and we'd been sat on the floor. Uh, floor among ministers and some minister fr uh, friends of ours had been sat in the bleachers above us and when the service was over we're trying to get out they're trying to get out and we we come face to face with each other I'm with Austin and very few people would I permit to do this but uh, he stopped he and his wife stopped we stopped and he reached up and he took a hold of my lapel and he was feeling the fabric. Then he smiled. And he said, make the money, tie the money, save and invest the money, and sow the money. So, but I knew he'd been watching my stuff from years previous. But I mean, how many people could you bump into somewhere and they're rehearsing the outline to a month of money? But he knew it. See? But that's all from the Word of God. Those four steps are all from the Word of God. And of course, when we, when we start out, <laughs> you, know, you know, maybe $5 is as much as we can save. And, and, and I know all the arguments against, you know, okay, I set aside $5. What can I do with it? There's not even a stock I can buy for $5. I certainly can't buy a piece of land for $5. I can't. I mean, I know all the arguments against it. But what I know is if you don't start, you'll never have enough to buy a share of a stock. Amen. Or you'll never have enough to buy a treasury bill. Or you'll never have enough to, to put down on a rent house, if that's your thing, to buy a house, to rent it out and make money on it, whatever your thing is. See, if you don't start, if you don't start. And so... People, what people want to do is they want to ignore the word. And then trouble comes. Tell your neighbor, when you ignore the word, trouble comes. Tell the neighbor on the other side, when you ignore the word, trouble comes. Now, now Pastor Sue says, my problem is, and you know, nobody could diagnose my problem better than my wife of 47 years. 
But she says, my problem is I make it look easy. Friends, the reason I make it look easy is because in my imperfect, stumbling, and bumbling way, I have practiced the written word of God. And it, it looks easy. But that's no credit to me. That's credit to God. See, it was his word. It was his word. And we can use these illustrations over and over and over, but nothing's going to happen until you take them to heart and apply them to your life. Everybody here has had an experience where you bought a child a bicycle or a tricycle for Christmas and you put it together. And when you were all done putting it together, you had 10 parts left over. And when you, when, you, when you get all done putting it together and you have 10 parts left over, what do you do then? Talk to me, what do you do then? You look at the instructions, all right? And of course, if you have a wife like mine, she'd be standing there with her hands on her hips saying, you should have read the instructions first. But that's really what the Holy Spirit would say to us. See, rather than get married, mess it all up, and then read the Bible, maybe it'd be a good thing to do to read the Bible and then get married. Amen. You see, rather than, rather than, you know, get your kids on the wrong path, maybe it'd be a good idea to read the, read the Bible when your wife's expecting. See what it says about child rearing. You see what I'm saying? In other words, to read the instruction manual first, rather than let it all get completely out of control and then say, what's up with this? You know? Now, there's no judgment because I've been to the shed. I've been to the woodshed. I've told that story over and over and over. Why do I tell these stories over and over and over? To help you get it. 1989, I've been married, what? 13 years, faithful to my wife, 13 years. I've been a tither, 1989, I've been a tither 29 years. Never cheated on Sue, been a tither. See, these are, these are different areas of life. So just because I don't cheat on my wife doesn't mean I have all my needs met financially. Just because everything's moving along hunky-dory financially doesn't mean the marriage is okay. Just because the marriage is okay doesn't mean I'm not headed for trouble with my children. These are different areas of life. And the, the degree to which you apply the Word of God is the degree to which you get the results of the Word of God. Amen. And so if you employ 25% of the Word of God, you get 25% of the results. If you do half of the Word, you get half the results. And the, the thing that people really don't give God credit on is Isaiah 119 in the Living Bible says, if you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, then I will make you rich. People don't believe this stuff. They just don't believe it. They don't believe it. They don't believe it. They don't believe it. They don't believe it. And, and I'll tell you one way we know they don't believe it is because when God makes somebody rich among us, everybody's not happy about it. And I said last Wednesday, don't, don't be offended at the word rich. Rich is relative. 
You know, I can, I can go out to eat and feel like a wealthy man. I can look at real estate online and look like a poor man. So rich is relative. But biblically, rich means simply having more than you need. All of your needs met and then have some left over. To sow as seed into savings, but also to sow as seed into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're, we went on this side journey because we were talking about the pilgrimage of the children of Israel from the perspective of most likely the Apostle Paul in Hebrews 3, 7 to 4, 13. And this was two Wednesdays ago, and we were talking about what, pardon me, what kept them out of the Holy Land. And all of this is rumbling around in my mind because I think I'm going to do the Father's Day Guys Night Out next year on this topic. Uh, what kept them out of the Promised Land? Because Hebrews 4 says that the Sabbath rest, the promise of the Sabbath rest remains. And if, if I can have Sabbath rest, I want Sabbath rest. So what do I have to do? Or let me say it this way, what must I avoid so I can have Sabbath rest? So we find these three words in Hebrews 3, 7 to 4, 13, rebellion, sin, disobedience, and unbelief. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. And we're going to see the same concept, but from a different perspective from the exact same author. 1 Corinthians 10, 6 to 12. Now, these things occurred as examples. Say out loud, examples. So when we read the Old Covenant, we're looking for examples. We're not under that covenant. A lot of those rules do not apply. Now, the moral laws apply to us, but the ceremonial laws do not. Remember when they criticized Jesus because his disciples did not wash their hands ceremonially before they ate? Well, that was one of those old laws of Moses. Why did they have these ceremonial laws? Why were they not allowed to eat certain things? Well, because they were an ancient people and they didn't understand everything we might understand about for example, thoroughly cooking pork. Uh, and then they, there was a rural agrarian society. Uh, they didn't have indoor plumbing. And so there were sanitation rules. There were ceremonial rules. And it was for their health. It was for their benefit. When Jesus was hanging on the cross... At the end, he said, it is finished. When he said, it is finished, the curtain in the temple separating the holy place from the most holy place was torn asunder, signifying that that covenant was over. And so a lot of those rules, regulations, in other words, that's why Sunday we're not going to be uh, cutting a bull in half and sacrificing it on an altar of fire here at Faith Christian Center, you understand. A lot of that went out. Now, the, the moral laws of God are the same. It's still wrong to commit adultery. It's still wrong to take the name of the Lord in vain. All right? But the point is that when we read the Old Testament, the annual Bible reading is so great because we, it's just wonderful to read those stories, especially out of the book of Judges, 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, and you think to yourself, how could they do this? But when you look around today at what's going on in the church world, you say to yourself, how can they do that? Right, See, 
It, it, nothing has changed. People haven't changed. 1 Corinthians 10, 6, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. That's part of the problem, is setting your hearts on evil things. Do not be idolaters. There's, there's a word. Do not be idolaters. What's an idolater? Someone who puts something ahead of God. The very first commandment is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some, as, as some of them did. That's the second word or phrase, sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord. That's another phrase. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble. That's the fourth one, as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angels. Again, he says, verse 11, these things happened as examples and were written down as warnings for us. They were written down as what? Warnings, warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So according to 1 Corinthians six. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 6 to 12, what kept the children of Israel out of their promised land? Idolatry. It's amazing. Idolatry. People make gods out of politicians. It amazes me. You know, if a politician's doing what I think they should do, I can like them, but I'm not going to worship them. See, and I'll tell you something. How do you, know, how do you know if you're liking a politician or worshiping a politician when you take evidence contrary to what you believe and you throw it out the window? You're, you're worshiping. And people do it all the time. When I was a young man, I... I couldn't get my mind around how could the Antichrist rise to power? I couldn't, I could, because the world is a big place. I mean, think about it. We've got wars going on on the other side of the world. We don't, we don't here, here in Arlington, Texas, we don't even hardly know it unless you look at the news. The world's a big place. So he couldn't do it militarily. The world's a big place. Well, one of the ways that we see now that the Antichrist will come to power is through mass formation. And mass formation is, has always happened, but it's happening more often. But then also cognitive dissonance. People see the evidence and they dismiss the evidence. You know, because Sue's family was German, especially in the early years of our marriage, we spent a lot of time in Germany. We spent a lot of time in Austria. And, and these people, they were, they were meticulous thinker. They built meticulous automobiles. And when I was around them in the 80s and 90s, I would wonder to myself, how could people of this culture fall for this crazy person, Hitler? But they did. And part of the way it happens is when you, you dismiss evidence that is contrary to what you believe. It's called cognitive dissonance. 
I mean, today, the President of the United States said he never thought he would see pictures of decapitated babies. What planet are these people on? Did they think they were dealing with nice folks? And, you know, we're going to release $6 billion? Tell your neighbor, that's a lot of money. We're going to release $6 billion, but, but it's okay because we're going to designate it that it has to be used for humanitarian purposes. I mean, are they, are they on the crack pipe? Are they, are, uh, they believe their own BS. They have been drinking their own Kool-Aid. Oh, they're not, they're not really evil people. They're just a little oppressed. You know, we just sent them $6 billion, alleviate their oppression. They'll be okay. Oh, no. See, they, they dismiss anything contrary to what they believe. And because CNN played it, it's kind of hard to ignore. See, if it was Fox News, oh, well, that's Fox News. But when CNN is on it, well, that's kind of hard to ignore. And then they're like, shocked, shocked that these things would happen. There's nobody here tonight that's shocked at all. This is what evil people do. Do you understand? But Christians do this all the time. Christians do this all the time. We don't want to admit it. I mean, we could, we could do an in-depth survey at Faith Christian Center, which we would never do. We could do an in-depth survey, totally anonymous, and ask questions like, have you ever cheated on your spouse? And uh, do you tithe, do you not tithe, do you save money, do you not save money? And then what's your net worth? We, we could do a statistical analysis, and everybody here tonight knows how it would turn out. The people who have never cheated on their husband or wife, their divorce rate, is their divorce rate higher or lower than the average? Lower. People who have saved money, is their net worth higher or lower than the average? People who have honored God with their wealth, is their net worth higher or lower than the average? Higher. We all know the answer. But see, we dismiss Oh, we got to ask this question. When your children were growing up, did you spank them on a regular basis? And then we could ask, you know, how did they turn out? Are they, are they, are they productive? Did they marry well? Do your, do your, does your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law drive you crazy? We could ask a whole series of in-depth questions, do statistical analysis, and everybody knows how it would turn out. Then why don't we take action accordingly? Let me, I mean, let me ask it. Why don't we take action accordingly? Because we have opinions. And we're not going to, you know, like, like Elon Musk tweeted the other day, believe what they say, don't believe your lying eyes. See, your, your eyes are lying. Believe what they tell you to believe. Of course, he was being facetious. Now, why am I bringing all this up in the middle of a series on faith and prayer? <laughs> because I love you and I don't want to see you try and use faith and prayer as a band-aid. 
What do they call that when they use those, uh, those knives? And they, you know those guys do all those tricks with those knives? What do they call it? Kamachi? Karbachi? Habachi? I thought, a, I thought a habachi is what you cook the hamburger on. But that'd be like me doing that and then sending Sue to the grocery store to buy more Band-Aids. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I'm trying to learn how to do knife tricks, and I keep sending Sue to the grocery store to, do, to buy Band-Aids. The thing to do is stop playing with knives. But that's how people treat prayer. I'm doing my own thing here and I'm doing my own thing there and I have my own opinion here. And, and you know, poor old Pastor Gene, man, he's, re he's reading Isaiah 55, telling, saying it's the key to everything. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Yeah, but I think. That's what gets us in trouble. My opinion is. My last pastor told me, this is what gets us in trouble. Rather than just simply go by what God has said. So here he's saying that these four things kept them out of their promised land. Say it out loud. I don't want anything to keep me out of my promised land. So here they are from 1 Corinthians 10. Idolatry, sexual immorality, testing God, grumbling. And we've been saying that the word believe is a verb. It's an action word, and it means to act upon the word of God. So in Hebrews 3, 7 to 4, 13, we have four words that tell us what kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. Rebellion, sin, disobedience, unbelief. And in 1 Corinthians 10, we have a different list of what kept them out of the promised land. Idolatry, sexual immorality, testing God, and grumbling. All right. Now let's shift gears and go to Hebrews 11 and ask the question, what is faith? What is faith? This series is on faith and prayer. What is faith? Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now I submit to you that it should be obvious and apparent in 2023. I mean, we know, we know that these government operatives lied their teeth out on the COVID Plandemic, scandemic, whatever you want to call it. We, we know that they've lied and lied and lied on the vaccines. I misstated something last Wednesday. I said that when a pediatrician, uh, when, when a pediatrician makes sure, make sure that a child under two has all their shots, they get a $40,000 bonus. I misstated that. I looked it up and here is what the, the news article said that for every 100 babies under two that a pediatrician can show have been fully vaccinated according to the schedule, they get a $40,000 payment. I'm not gonna say from whom. Unless less than 63% of all their patients have been fully vaccinated, then they don't get anything. All right, my point though was valid last Wednesday if there's money involved, how can I get an honest opinion? Can you see that? And uh, if we did this in the private sector, they'd put us in prison. How in the world can somebody who works for the government in a medical capacity be a patent holder on drugs 
that they're hawking to the public. Can you see that? I mean, the, the rules are strict. For example, if, uh, if uh, what's that guy's name that's always on uh, talking about stocks and he's always wrong, Kramer? Uh, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had done the opposite of what he said for the last 20 years. Man, I'd, I, I could build phase two by myself. But uh, the point is, if, if he owns something that he's talking about, he has to divulge that. The rules are strict, but they're not on drugs. So we had these people telling us, man, you need this and you need that. You better get this and you better get four doses of that. And they had a, they had a financial vested interest. How can you get an honest opinion? And God comes along and says, test me in this. Your favorite politician never said, test me in this. Whoever your favorite politician is. Test me in this. See if it proves out. Oh, back to cognitive dissonance. All these people have had four shots and they keep getting COVID over and over and over, but you know, they can't connect the dots. It's like that dog biting everybody in the White House. We don't know why everybody gets bit. Well, there's a dog. It's a mystery. All these people being bit by a dog. Yeah, well, there's a dog. Okay, but it's the same thing with, you know, well, they got four shots and they keep getting COVID. They can't connect the dots. Or sending $6 billion dollars and being shocked, shocked, mind you, shocked that babies are beheaded. Shocked. It's amazing. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. How was the universe made? You know, I, I love, <clears throat> one of the things that I, I love about social media is looking at pictures from the Hubble telescope and various things and and they're you know they're always discovering this new cool stuff I mean it could be how many light years away I walk out in the morning I love it before the sun comes up <laughs> I lift my hands how majestic is your name in all the earth hallelujah and he set the stars out there you know there's one in the east they worship he set these stars out there and, and everything happens on perfect schedule. Halley's Comet comes by every so many years and makes little adjustments to the course of the earth and the course of the moon. And, and all of this is set in motion and people have trouble believing the one that did it. But in a place like Chicago, they keep voting for the same people, even though they got all that crime, they got all that trouble. New York, they, you know, they just, they just can't connect the dots. But when it comes to the living God, the one that set the moon up there, the one that brings Halley's Comet by on schedule, I mean, they know when it's coming by the next time to the second. Who set that emotion? You think that's chance? You think, you think that's the luck of the draw, like pond scum becoming a human being? 
No, there's a creator. But when it comes to the creator, people have trouble believing them. It's amazing to me. But this, uh, this whole COVID thing the last three years has really done me a great service because it has got me more than ever looking to the Lord my God, that he is my source and he is my sustenance and he is my health and he is my protection. It's got me, it's got me focused. It's got me focused. And his word is true forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. All your words, David said, are true. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Think about it. Now, when Paul wrote this, Paul didn't understand how maybe that happened, but we do. They tell me that this right here seems solid, but it's actually made up of a lot of things moving around. And what's it called? Energy. So we understand that materiality is simply another form of energy. And who has more energy than anybody? God. The same author, Paul, talks about how that Jesus holds it all together by what? The power of his word. The word created it and the word sustains it. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Tell your neighbor, oops. That means all offerings are not equal. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. These are the hard truths of the word. God can speak well of your offerings or God can maybe not say anything about your offerings. And also that, that according to God, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. The Bible tells us that when a sparrow falls out of the sky, Father God knows about it. Uh, maybe when I was a young man, the number didn't change every day. I guess it would have. But, as, but now that I'm an older man, I know the number changes every day. The Bible says that the hairs on our head are numbered. Why would we think he's not paying attention to what we give? Sure he is. He's watching everything. He's watching everything. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. If you can please God, it must be possible to displease God. And what are we talking about? Action. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The church doesn't want to believe this. That God rewards people who earnestly seek him. 
the church doesn't want to believe this. They want to, they want to believe that he's the big commie in the sky and that he's just blessing everybody equally. Our eyes tell us that that is not the case. I love the King James there. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh, God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Frankly, when I came across Hebrews 11, 9, I was gone. That was it, man. I was gone. Because I thought, well, I want to be rewarded, so I'm going to diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family, to save his family. So what, did, what, what are we talking about? What, what was it, Noah? What was it, uh, I hate to give it away by asking the question a certain way. What activity was Noah involved in? Sitting home, watching reruns of uh, Law and Order? I mean, what was he, what, what activity was he involved in? He was taking action. And where did he get the idea to build an ark? The Lord. By faith, he condemned the world. It was Brooke Summer point that, pointed that out to me. I never noticed that, that his faith condemned the world. See, and that's why people aren't happy with you when you have a, a, a wonderful marriage and people aren't happy with you when your children are well-behaved and people are not happy with you when you, you, you don't have any debt and people are not happy with you when all your needs are met because your faith condemns them. See, it says, by faith he condemned the world. I never thought of that until that was pointed out to me that that's what that says. His faith condemned the world. It's possible. I'm out of time and I'm going to have to quit here in the, in the middle of Hebrews 11, but that's my word tonight. It's possible to live for God. It's possible to have a happy marriage. It's possible to have children that cause you no trouble. It's possible than, to have all your needs met. It's possible to get out of debt. It's possible to be blessed financially. It's possible. These are all possibilities, but without faith. No man can please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And what I want to communicate as I quit is that one of the ways, not the only way, one of the ways we diligently seek him is by taking action on his word. Whatever area of life we're talking about. But people make a mistake. They take action on his word on uh, money. You know, there was a man years ago sat here on the front row and it looked like he had the blessing of God on his life and he was a big giver at Faith Christian Center. But, you know, then he started cheating on his wife. So you can be a doer of the word in one area, but not another area. The word can be working for you in one area and you can sabotage it because you're, you're not being a doer of the word of God in some other area. And who decides, who decides what part of the word we believe? Talk to me. What, who decides what part of the word we believe? And, and who decides what part of the word we confess? And who decides what part of the word we take action on? We do. Well, pastor, you're not saying, <laughs> pastor, you're not saying that the results of our lives are up to us. Absolutely. 
Your life is the sum total of all the decisions you've made and all the actions you've taken. Right. And the Lord's reminded me to say something else. Last, last Wednesday, I, I said, my, I, I don't, I'm not saying any of these things to be judgmental, and I understand because there are people among us who married crazy. And I want to clarify that. The reason I understand that is because my mom was like that. Now, I don't know if she had been taken somewhere and evaluated, if somebody would say, yeah, she's, she's crazy. But what I'm saying is she talked crazy and she acted crazy. And see, when my dad was alive, I was spared a lot of that because she acted crazy and talked crazy to him. But when he was gone, guess where that all manifested? You know, it would have really been nice if I could have had a dozen siblings for her to share <laughs> crazy conduct and speech with. But, you know, I was the singular target. So I get it. I get it. And there's nothing to be done about that. I mean, you know, if somebody's in the soup, they're in the soup. But my point is, don't we have a responsibility at Faith Christian Center to teach youngsters to be cautious in friendship, to be cautious in dating, to be cautious in getting engaged, to be cautious in marriage? Don't we owe it to them? Because I just got done saying that your life is the sum total of all the decisions and all the actions you've taken. And frankly, after you decide to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life, the next biggest decision you'll ever make in your entire life is who to marry. And it can make you. And it can break you. Now, again... There's no judgment here. If somebody's in the soup, that decision was made a long time ago. And so we're just trying to cope and deal with where we are right now. The point is, you have to understand, I want you to understand, that when we stand here and we minister, we're not just talking to older folks. We got youngsters among us. We got young people among us. And we need to give them the word to where they cannot make devastating mistakes. Does that make sense? Because we want all of God, we want God's people to be blessed. And on any of these areas, on any of these areas, what do we do? What do we do, Pastor? What do we do? What do we do? What do I do if I never save money? What do I do if I never honored God with my money? What do I do if I've been cheating on my wife? What do I do if I never uh, disciplined my children biblically? What do I do? You, you go to the Word of God and you find the Word of God that covers your situation and you begin to take remedial action. You begin to course correct. Just like that dentist told me what I was doing and, it, and he, he gave me a recommendation and I had to make a change. And you make a change and then maybe not in the next seven days, but over time you'll see the difference in your life. See, this God says, test me in this and see. And that's why Romans 12, 1 and 2 is so important because Paul says, 
do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. See, there's a pattern to this world, and the problem with the pattern of this world is it changes every five minutes. I'm old enough to remember. Say, how old are you, Pastor? I'm old enough to remember when people worship trees. But they just cut down 30 million trees in Scotland to put up wind farms. That's insane. I'm old enough to remember when they wanted us to believe. On my property, I have about 540 trees, but they wanted me to believe that I was breathing oxygen created by the Amazon rainforest. I mean, it must be some kind of a wind to bring the oxygen <laughs> from the Amazon rainforest up here to the plains of North Texas. I mean, this is the nonsense they wanted us to believe. Now they're cutting them down to make room for uh, wind farms. See, what I'm saying is there's a pattern to this world. And Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Change your life. Turn your life around. Turn your marriage around. Turn your, the lives of your children around. Turn your net worth around. How? By renewing your mind to the written word of God. Then, then, then you'll understand God's will. You'll understand God's will for your life. See the same thing in Joshua 1.8. It's when we meditate on the word of God and we confess the word of God and we take action on the word of God that we begin to walk in the covenant blessings of the word of God. We change our lives by changing our minds. We change our minds by meditating on the word of God and then by believing what God has said, confessing what God has said, and taking action on what God has said. Amen.